When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 38, Lackluster Lunchtime in Leeds. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. How are we doing, fella? We've been brought back down to earth after last week, but yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad, mate. And at the end of the day, we didn't lose. So take the point and move on, I think. And we've got, guys, a very special guest for you. He is perhaps known as the Podfather. He is the, the, he is the OG of Chelsea podcasts. If you if you like or loathe our podcast, then you've got him to blame for for us starting the podcast. We've got the very own Stanford Chidge. Chidge, how are we doing, sir? Well, it's it's lovely to see you both. I mean, I'm still pretty incandescent with rage at what I've just witnessed, <laughs> but I like the fact that I'm the OG. I I I, I take that because I'm old, obviously. So I take that to mean old git. I was going to say the <laughs> original. Right? I was going to say the original <laughs> Chelsea podcaster, but um. No, I know, I know. I'm just playing with you, but uh, yeah. So I, I, I do also like the fact that I have to take on on the responsibility the, for the fact that everybody does a podcast now, and it's therefore all my fault. Except <laughs> I've got broad shoulders, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, as always with our guests, I get them to sort of plug themselves. Obviously, you know, as I mentioned, Chidge is you know does a podcast of his own. I'm sure most of you have heard of it. But if you've been living under a rock for the last 10 to 12 years or whatever, I'm going to let Chidge now plug that podcast and also tell tell you guys what he writes for, etc. And get him mm. to plug as well, just giving link as well. I'll, I'll try and keep it as short as I can, boys. But uh, if you've been living under a rock for 12 years and you listen to the Chelsea Fancast, I can assure you that you will crawl back under it very quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we started doing the Chelsea Fancast in 2008. So we're in our 13th season now. And, uh, you know, for me, it was all about doing it 
with the mates that I go to the games with. Sadly, obviously, we haven't been able to for a year, but we've got a quite a big group of us now. We all know each other very well. We get on well. We love Chelsea. We love talking nonsense about it. And it's great fun. I don't need to tell you that because that's kind of the same reason that you do it as well. Uh, but I also write for the, the main fanzine, which, which is CFC UK. I've done that for about 10 years or more. Uh, I uh, write a weekly column for football.london, had a piece that went out today on uh, the youngsters and the pathway maybe closing. Uh, and I've been involved with the Chelsea Supporters Trust for, goodness me, since it started in 2013. And I was the chairman of that for three years from 2016. And as we were saying, uh, Nick, a minute ago, we're doing a, a big virtual sleep out. We did a sleep out last year uh, in, uh, in aid of the homeless or a few homeless charities where we all uh, went to Stamford Bridge of an evening and, and slept on the very cold concrete floor. I had the, uh, the delight, I think I call it delight, of sleeping with Paul Canneville. Well, he was next to me anyway, <laughs> bless him, which was hilarious. But we, we can't do it uh, at Stamford Bridge this year for obvious COVID-related reasons. So we're having to do it virtually. So we're, we're all having to, well, I'm going to be sleeping in my garage, which is about 30 yards that way uh, on March the 27th. Um, I think aided by a, a fire pit beforehand and a lot of whiskey because uh, it's uncomfortable and cold, but it's all for a good cause. It's for Stoll, uh, who are our next door neighbours, as anybody who's been to the bridge will know. And they look after homeless veterans, veterans who suffered from uh, PTSD, you would have seen them, I'm sure, on a match day because they're always kind of hanging around with a little charity uh, box. And they're, they're lovely guys. And a lot of them are really troubled and have really struggled. So it's a lovely thing to, you know, raise some money for our neighbours, but also for people who, who really need and deserve our help. Yeah, exactly. And all the links, including the Just Giving link, will be down below. And if you're feeling generous, it goes to a great cause. Right. Lunchtime kickoff. Leeds mm. United. Dirty leads. Ugh. It wasn't really a dirty game. It wasn't really much of a game, to be honest. Um, Jack, lineup came out. It was interesting, to say the least. No Timo Werner, like, unlike what we predicted on the last pod. There was uh, Christian Pulisic started, and so did Hakim Ziyech. And uh, unfortunately, it's fair to say that that didn't really pay off with Puli and Ziyech. No, not particularly. Um, I think Pulisic was the, the biggest shock there. Um, no shock to see Cover on the bench, given Jorginho suspended midweek and Mount suspended midweek. So that wasn't a shock. But um, it, it looked like it was going to be a good game, I thought, in the first 10, 15 minutes. It, end-to-end end was looking sharp and then it just almost hit the end of the cliff edge and just went straight down from there but it's just what we've been experiencing recently um, in the fact that we're just not clinical enough we we lack we lack that quality to stick the ball in the net there was countless chances today um, where you've got to like Havertz had a couple. He's got to get a cleaner strike. So many shots straight at the keeper. Chile had a big chance. Um, so we're just ruining missed chances at the moment. But at the end of the day, we're still keeping those clean sheets at the back. So it's another point on the board. But when you see teams like teams like West Ham breathing down our necks, even Spurs, if Spurs win on Sunday and win their game in hand, they go above us. So I think 
this match could potentially be a big kick up the backside for us and make us realise that um, top four is no way secured at the moment and we need to we need to keep improving to um, consolidate our space there. Yeah, Thomas Tuchel has now made 59 changes to the Chelsea starting 11 in his first 12 games in charge. Chidge, I suppose if you'd said to us we'd have taken eight points from uh, Man United, Liverpool, Everton and Leeds, we'd have probably taken that at the start of the run. But how disappointing is it, given how well we played on on Monday night against Everton, sort of to be brought back down to earth with that performance today? I, I, I mean, Nick, you're right. You know, I think this is the thing, isn't it? And, and I'm not going to tell any any supporter to be rational, level-headed and have perspective because that's not why we, you know, we do what we do. But you are right to bring in a bit of perspective. You know, we didn't lose today. We kept another clean sheet. We're defensively a million miles away from the team that we were prior to Tuchel taking over. But you're right. It, it, it is disappointing. It's disappointing because, as, as Jack was saying, you know, it's it's there are a lot of teams competing for top four and we need to be in top four, bottom line. And this is points dropped at the end of the day. Leeds don't draw. They either win or they lose. And we are a better team than Leeds. So, so you know, all things being equal, we should have we should have won. And it's and I think what, what frustrates me, and you know, I've got a Discord group which has been going absolutely bananas for the last hour and a half. WhatsApp groups, Twitter, you name it, and everybody's frustrated, I think, with the same thing, which is our our complete and utter inability to put the bloody football into the goal, you know, into the onion bag. What is going on? Because they create a lot. I mean, I don't think that's actually the problem. There's the build-up play generally is pretty good. And then they seem to to get to the penalty area and they have a brain fart. And I cannot for my I, I mean, I've been watching football for over 40 years, and I can't I can't understand what the problem is, you know, apart from, you know, maybe if we had you know a proper striker who can score 20, 25 goals a season. That is what we don't have. And maybe that's the problem. Yeah, we'll get on to Kai Havertz. I guess we're going to Kai Havertz now. He, I believe he had the most chances in the, Chelsea, in the game for Chelsea. Four was the same as Leeds. Jack, it was another encouraging showing from him. But he still somehow just can't put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, I just said it a couple of minutes ago. It's just hitting the ball straight at the keeper. He had that chance where... All of a sudden, I think it was Calvin Phillips just moved away from him. It was almost like slow motion. And you're just like, hit, just hit it, hit it straight away. And he takes an extra touch and then gets closed down. Uh, it's, it's Like Chid said, it's, it's hard to ex- explain or speak about it because I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. They just, we're just lacking that at the moment. I don't know if it's, or oh, it is lack of quality at the end of the day. Um, I'll go back to like what I said a few weeks ago. We've these players that we've bought in and these players we've got, they've got the potential. We know they've got the potential. That's what we bought them for. They're all youngsters, but we're lacking match winners. You look at your Brunos, you look at your Kevin De Bruyne's, they're they are in their prime. They're 26, 27 years old. They're in their prime and can deliver on the big stage. But it seems like all the all the boys we've got are. 22, 23, Timo, 24. So, it, yeah, we, it, maybe it's just got to be a slow process of us trying to wait wait for them to start hitting their primes. But it's just so frustrating to see. Um, and like Chidge said, if you 
if you had a Diego Costa up there who's not the not the most uh, technically gifted player, but he was ruthless and he'd stick the ball in the back of the net. And you can think of countless games where we didn't play very well and he'd, he'd dig us out a hole. Like I remember against West Brom, nil-nil, Fabregas came on, played the ball over the top and he was near the corner flag and just worked a shot out of nothing and sticks the ball in there and we're just lacking that. Yeah. yeah. Hazard too. I mean, you know, yeah. Hazard, for all of the other brilliance that he had, was was really clinical. You know, he was a great finisher, you know, and I, I'm totally with you, Jack. We just don't have anybody who has that killer instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, Hakim Ziyech, Jack, who you saw mentioned, he's probably one of those players more in his prime is 28. Yeah. You know, can be anonymous for 40 minutes of a game, then can play a brilliant pass like he did to Kai in the first half. He then played, I think he played a couple in the second half, but then he can just, you know, go missing. And unfortunately, I think that's the issue that he is probably that most experienced player, certainly in an, from an attacking front. And he's, you know, we can't really rely on him. And again, as we've sort of been saying, you know, it probably, you know, Mason, I thought today worked hard, probably wasn't necessarily his best game. But again, I could say that about, a lot of players. So, yeah, it was frustrating in the final third. Before we get onto the positives, I'll be honest, we subbed Timo Werner on and I forgot there was a moment where he was chasing a ball. I can't I believe it was an overhit ball from, I want to say Chilwell, I could be wrong. And I, I have to admit that I forgot that he was on the pitch until I saw him come into shot on the camera. Um, Chidge, it would be fair to say, apart from maybe the Callum Hudson had always subbed, that the subs from Thomas Tuchel today didn't really work. Well, it's. I think you know we could probably do a whole podcast on 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 the team selection and 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 what was going on with that. The fact that he changed to four three two, sorry four two three one, which was a bit of a surprise, I have to say, given that Leeds can plough through a midfield or bypass it. Maybe that's why he did it. I mean, who knows? I'm not Tommy Tuchel. I mean, I I would have I would have brought uh, Hudson Adoy. I can't. I, I think I even said it at halftime. I, I write these ridiculous amount of notes because when you get to my age, you, you kind of got a memory like a goldfish. So, uh, you know, you have to write notes. But I, I thought I thought Hudson-Odoi on for Ziyech at halftime, certainly. But it was interesting because Tuchel said after the match, actually, I, I grabbed a quote. He said, I was, I was not too happy with my game decisions. Maybe we missed the possibility to bring Giroud on at the end. <laughs> yeah, mate. That would yeah. do it. You know, bring a striker on. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, no, I'd say I was in a group chat with, with some fellow Chelsea fans and I said at half time, you know, given how, you know, a lot of the talk before the game is, oh, we'll exploit Leeds' high line. Or given how we didn't really seem to have much intent on doing that at times, I thought, well, why not bring Giroud on and maybe get Kai Havers to actually try and play off him? But Thomas Tuchel fought differently. Jack, I want to focus on, on a couple of positives from today. Eddie Mendy. Wow. He, he, he basically saved us. He got, he got us that point in the end. Yeah, big time. Two, two massive saves. Um, first one in the first half, tipping it onto the bar. And then the one in the second half was a bit strange. You almost thought he dived the wrong way completely uh, and then managed to claw it back. But yeah, he was, he, he was brilliant today. And I think I saw he's kept 19 clean sheets now and conceded only 18. So he's kept more clean sheets than goals conceded, which is, which is just ridiculous. Um, and in 31 games, so it's not a bad, not a bad percentage return, is it? Um, so yeah, no, he's he's been quality. I know we've picked up on something we'd like to see him improve, and I still think even today there's a few circumstances with his um, 
his ability to play the ball out and and uh, distribution, but he's keeping the ball out of the back of the net. And for twenty two million, it looks like an absolute steal for us. Yeah, cheers. Another positive. Antonio Rudiger back today. You know, leads a couple of times, putting some really dangerous balls. And there was there was Tony Rudiger getting us mm-hmm. out of danger. Yeah, I, I thought Rudiger and Christensen were excellent today. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been very down on Christensen for a, a long time, but he has absolutely been a revelation as the, you know, the central centre-back in the three. I mean, he's even stood up to the physical challenge, which is one of the areas where I, I, I felt he was most weak. But he's been really superb. And I think Rudiger has been too, whether it's, you know, certainly as the, as the, the left of the three. But in a back four today, they were superb. And as you say, you know, Rudiger was mopping up when other people were making mistakes. Um, so fair play to them. I mean, I totally agree about Mendy, by the way. I think he was he, he, he kept us in the match today, let's be honest. Uh, I mean, you could argue that Leeds had, had better, more, more clear-cut chances than we did, even though we probably had more chances. And, uh, and Mendy kept us in the game. And I, I, I love him to bits. I think he's great. Superb keeper, I really do. I thought, I thought that... Um, Aspie, I'm worried about Aspie. I think what, one of the things that we've done really, really well recently, which I think needs to be said, is that uh, we're zipping the ball around really, really well from back to front. I mean, the you know the intensity and the speed of one-touch passing has really, really improved. And on the whole, they seem to be more than capable of doing it, apart from Aspie. I just don't think he's up to that level that Tuchel wants us to be at with that kind of passing. I just don't think his control and his passing's up to it. And I love him to pieces, but I, I thought he was the weak link in defence today. And I thought Chilwell was really poor as well. And I don't know whether it's because he's not had a, a decent run recently. I don't know if he's still carrying an injury, but I think he made some really poor choices and he spends far too much time on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Jack, Ben Chilwell today was <laughs> well pretty frustrating, really, you know. At the time, I sort of felt his, his match was weird. I thought he started off slow, then he sort of almost grew into the game. And then by the end, he was sort of reverting back to his old self and he was sort of spending quite a lot of time on the floor again. Mm, and I think when I watch him, because I've played left back playing football as well, um, he gets past the ball near the byline and and sometimes someone will close him down quickly and he almost doesn't really know what to do with it. And he just sort of flicks it round them. And I saw that three or four times today and nobody's up the line and he's just given the ball away needlessly. Um, yeah, it, w- it wasn't his greatest game, but I guess you, if you want to be level-headed, you've got to try and say that, look, he hasn't had the, the biggest uh, run in the team recently. So his match fitness might not all be there, but... It's disappointing to see when he's given a chance as well. And then, like I said earlier, the, the chance he had where it's come across goal and he's, he needs to just hit it straight away. And that could have been a big chance, but um, unfortunately not meant to be. But um, it's one of those with him. I think he's learning. I think that's why he started playing Alonso at the start. He's He's trying to pick up the skills needed for that kind of wing-back role in training. And then I think uh, Tommy T will still play him next year because at the end of the day, we've spent big bucks on him. Yeah, Thomas Tuchel, there's an interesting quote that you know sort of came up. Thomas Tuchel apparently turned Ben Chilwell to be more serious. I don't know what that was in relation to, but I just saw that quote. 
after the game. I don't entirely know the context of it, but Chidge Jackson mentioned Ben Chilwell. And there were a couple of times there you're thinking, if it was only Marcus Alonso where yeah. Ben Chilwell was, we might have got that goal. Because, what you know, while Ben Chilwell has been, and I'll say this, Jack, we actually praised Ben Chilwell for his performances against Manchester United and Liverpool. Stay wasn't great. But Marcus Alonso certainly does offer that, you know, better in that final attacking third, doesn't he, Chidge? Well, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I mean, you, you kind of know what you're going to get from Marcus Alonso. You know, he's not the quickest in the world and, and he's not the greatest defensively in the world either, but he's got a real great knack for getting into the right place at the right time, certainly up front. And he's a really good finisher. I think he's, I think he's I, and I've thought this since, he's, since he joined us, I think he's technically one of the most gifted players that we've got. I mean, he's got such a sweet left foot. But you know those positions he gets into, and he sneaks up on on their on their right hand side, and he wallops the ball in. We could have done with a bit of that today. Um, his defending maybe not so good. I, I mean, his technique is a bit like Jorginho's. He thinks if he falls over in front of the bloke, uh, the opposition bloke, that's what you have to do. Not really, Marcus. No, definitely not. But as you know, up for, you know, for going forward, I, I I love him to pieces. And of course, he's got great hair, which always gets a vote in my book. Yeah, yeah, no, we've got to love Marcus Alonso's hair there. Right. And, and Spurs hate him as well. Exactly, that's that's exactly. another, another good reason to love Marcus Alonso. Isn't well, it? Marcus Alonso loves loves a goal against Spurs and Arsenal, so you know, but, what's I mean, not to you love? stick him up front. Yeah. Well, you know, there was some that was doing the rounds the other day, wasn't it? I don't know whether it was on Twitter or something, but somebody was saying, Why don't we play Marcus Alonso as striker? I mean, it, blimey, we couldn't do yeah. worse, could we? It'd be like when Blackburn started playing Chris Samba up top. <laughs> it's like a reincarnation of that for us. <laughs> yeah, it's like Chris Sutton started out as a centre half, and then when we signed him as a striker, he went back to being a centre half. <laughs> yeah, Chris, oh, Chris Sutton. Yeah, yeah let's, awful let's, player. Let's move on. <laughs> on. Before, before we get on to the question, Jack, I one final positive today, but I did actually not mention Angolo Kante. I thought today, you know, again, that was another strong showing from him today. And yeah, yeah, although maybe at times we missed Kovacic today, you know, he would have been quite good at, you know, progressing the ball, you know, probably yeah. quite good at beating the Leeds press for Angola Kante, another solid showing. Yeah, no, and you, we said it before, you know what you get from that bloke. Uh, he's the best in the world at it, no doubt about it, winning that ball back. Uh, and I thought a lot of today as well, he, he saw a lot of, a lot of the ball and had a lot of possession, I thought, um, almost more than Jorginho, to be honest. Um, and on the whole, I thought his his distribution was pretty good. I know he can get a lot of stick for that. Um, but yeah, you know what you get from Kante. He's an absolute workhorse, and he's a massive asset to this club, and he's definitely not done yet. No. Exactly, exactly. Right, going to move on to some of the questions that you guys sent in. First one comes in from RJ, who asks, how much of this selection was influenced by the Atletico Madrid game in mind? Chidge, I'll go with you on that one. Um, well, I, 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 I wouldn't doubt that at all. I mean, I know that Tom, Tommy Tuchel talks a good game, like all, all good managers do, saying, oh, well, I only you know, I take it one game at a time. But I, I, I mean, he had to have an eye on... Uh, on on Atletico Madrid, didn't he? Because you know, obviously, Mount and Jorginho aren't going to be available next Wednesday, uh, so we all knew that they would start. Um, and I think if you just look at who he's rested today, uh, Alonso, um, Kovacic, because you know, one out of Kovacic, Jorginho, and Kovacic weren't going to play, and he decided he'd rest Kovacic. I thought he'd rest Kante actually, 
So I think that's quite interesting in in perhaps how he views Kovacic and his importance, which I, I didn't really think. Uh, and and Werner, well, I think I think that was in. I mean, you could argue that maybe he rested Werner, who he's he he has played a huge amount. If you think about it, yeah. the only reason I can understand or think why he might have done is because he's trying to play him into some sort of goal scoring form. And I think I think we all feel that, don't we, with Werner, that you know, if he can get a bloody goal, then the, the floodgates might just open because he, he was too good last season in Germany for him not to be able to score. So uh, you know, maybe he was resting Werner, although I I, I just I can't understand why he played Zayesh. I, I I'm not a fan, I'll I'll be honest with you. I just don't I just don't think he I think he was you know, he's a winger. I don't think he fits the system. I don't think he is prepared to work as hard as you have to in the Premier League and run as much as you have to in the Premier League. I mean, he's got a wand of a left foot, but does he get the time and the space to really use it? Mysterious, mysterious situation with Ziyech. But, uh, so maybe that's why he played and Werner didn't or hudson Adoy. So, yeah, I, I agree with RJ. I think he definitely he's, he's got one uh, one eye on uh, on next Wednesday. And maybe he thought he felt that, you know, We've got good enough players to go and beat a Leeds team who are, you know, very hot and cold. So, you know, can't blame him for that, really. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, Jack, Chidge mentioned, you know, Ziyech. I think it's all something we've discussed about before, where under the previous regime, Ziyech had a clear clear role in that side. It was, you know, obvious what his role was. But under Tuchel, it just doesn't seem like, well, certainly while we're playing this formation, it doesn't seem like he's going to fit in this team, does it? No, and like you said, Today, again, and Pulisic, to be fair, both of them went into hiding at points in that game. And, yeah, it's all right. He's put in a couple of decent balls, but that's not enough at the end of the day. And, yeah, it's a different position, but you've seen people like Mason, who's played as an eight, played on the wing this season. He's adapted to play in that 10, uh, kind of role under Tuchel. So, I don't know, it's maybe one of those... You've got a question like Chidge mentioned. Maybe you question his his attitude. Um, although in the last couple of games, I thought he was working harder for the team. So I agree. It it's difficult. Maybe it's just not his day against quite a physical team because uh, he's quite slight, isn't he? But yeah, it's disappointing. Um, they they were nibbling at us all game. I thought Jack. I think they were they were channeling their inner dirty leads. And I and I think I, I I try and be fair with 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 players as much as I can because you know as my old mate DJ on on CFC UK always says he said if you if you know before you start coating off the players turn up on Saturday with your boots ready to play next week because we don't we don't know what it's like to play at that level and I agree with you I think he did work a lot harder today and I think he did the other day as well but um, I just think he's a he's a bit of a square peg in a round hole but what I don't understand about today. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the three uh, behind Havertz, I thought, was um, Mount was on the left, yeah. Ziyech was in the middle, and Pulisic was on the right. Yeah. And I can't understand that at all, because Ziyech likes to play, he can play left or right, I get that. Pulisic likes to be on the left. Why Why wasn't Mount in the middle? And Mount, I thought, had a really quiet game, and I wondered yeah. if that had something to do with it. Well, yeah, we've not talked about Mason Mount much on this pod, well, which is quite a rarity. So, yeah, yeah. He's usually yeah. man of the match, isn't he? Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, like you said, you'd th- you'd think going by that logic, then it would be Mount in the middle, 
Ziyech on the right cutting on his left foot and Pulisic yeah. on the left where we've seen last season and especially after the restart, he was deadly in that left wing role. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, don't know I think Tuchel's got a lot. I mean, he's been brilliant, hasn't he? Organising the defence, finding a system that, that stopped us uh, conceding goals, uh, that protects some of the weaknesses that we got, like Jorginho getting trampled in midfield. You know, he's done brilliantly with that, but he just can't seem to... He, it seems to me that he's desperately trying to find some sort of a combination with these creative players that we've got that works, and he hasn't managed to do it yet, I don't think. No, I would agree with that point. Uh, next question comes in from CFCJ, who asks, what now for Pulisic and Ziyech? Invisible again today. <laughs> Whoa, savage. Uh, Jack, to be fair, as I mentioned, I thought Pulisic had a bright start, a couple, you know, yeah, run down bright, a couple of dangerous balls in, but after that, I didn't notice him, to be honest. No, no. Yeah, he looked like he was going to be getting the better of Alioski early on, and you thought, get it out to him and let him take him on, but Dunno just faded again. Um, it's a hard one with him because you do, I don't don't want to roast him too much, but like you see, I think I said this last week as well. But you see some of the Sky Sports pundits, like Jamie Redknapp, for example, and he's always going on about why they're not playing him and stuff. But at the end of the day, he, he I can't. I can't, off the top of my head, really come up with much that he's done for us this season. I think he scored against Leeds in the reverse fixture, but I, I don't know what it is with him. Um, I know he had a few injuries early on in the season, but he just looks a shade of the player that he was in that project restart. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a tough one with Pulley as well, because we've obviously, with him and his injuries, I think we've got to manage him carefully. And I thought, I'll be honest, I I didn't think we'd see Pulisic start maybe before the international break or maybe till maybe the Sheffield United FA Cup game where I think we might see a bit of rotation there. Ziyech, we've kind of talk, talked about, but Chidge, what, what do we sort of do with Christian Pulisic? Because it, it's a tough one because, you know, we've seen what he's capable of. Last season, we really saw what he can show after Project Restart. But this season, he's been fairly anonymous. And if we look at Christian Pulisic's Chelsea career overall... It's probably been slightly underwhelming, if we're being perfectly honest. Uh, possibly. I mean, I, you know, I think he's, he's been plagued a bit. Maybe he's made a glass. I think that is a worry that I have about Pulisic. Clearly, he got a nasty injury in the cup final. And I think, I, I wonder if that, I mean, you know, given that it's a bit like Michael Owen, you know, his whole game was built on speed. And then he started picking up hamstring injuries. And I mean, to, to Owen's credit, he changed his game and was quite effective for, for a while afterwards. But he wasn't the player that broke onto the scene. And I wonder if Pulisic is a bit the same. Maybe it's playing on him mentally. Hard to know, isn't it? To be honest, I thought today he looked better than he has done, uh, you know, for most of the season, if, if, I'm, if I'm being honest. He looked a little bit more like the Pulisic we know, but he is still clearly a shadow of the player he was last season. I, I thought he was one of our best players last season. I thought he was absolutely superb. And I was so excited to see what he could do this year, but he's just not been able to deliver it. I mean, the other thing that occurs to me, uh, you know, I wonder how much he's been affected by Tuchel coming to, coming to the club. I mean, Frank clearly rated Pulisic, I think and was prepared to to play him and, and give him a bit of a license. Tuchel has said in, in many a presser that uh, basically 
you know, he sees Pulisic as an impact player. And that's what he used to do in Germany, in Dortmund. He used to bring him on as a sub. So I wonder if there's something going on there that Pulisic is thinking, I don't know if this guy rates me or not. You know, I want to start. He's not going to start me. I mean, we don't know. We can only hypothesize. But I mean, all the, all of these things might be playing into it. But as I said, I think overall, I thought he, he had a much better game today than he has done for a long time. Yep, fair enough. Next question comes in from Dan Hill. He asks, do you think Kyat Fulstein is a long-term solution to our lack of clinical finishing? Uh, Jack? Absolutely not. No chance. It's a, I, said, I think we said it last week. It's a, a short-term solution with our striking options who aren't firing, such as such as Werner's not, not sticking the ball in the back net. Giroud's class, but on the older side, so you need to manage him. Um, so I think it's a, a short-term solution for the rest of this season where we could use him to to our advantage uh, long-term. At the end of the day, we need to go and get get someone who's going to score 20-plus goals like Chidge alluded to earlier. I totally agree with Jack there, Nick. I was amazed. I, I, I listened to the, the post-match, uh, you know, interview that Tuchel did and he was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Havertz is a striker. Yeah, he can play. What a load of old crap. He's not a striker. He's not a classic number nine. He's not going to score you 20. I mean, you know, now in about five years' time, he'll score 30 goals and I'll look like a complete spanner. But he's not, he's not a classic number nine. Maybe he could do a job there. But it just underlines the problem that we've got, that Jack outlined perfectly there. We've got Werner, who also, by the way, is not a classic number nine. He's, a, he's an in old money and inside left, isn't he? Um, Giroud, great number nine, but you know, his age counts against him these days. Uh, and Tammy Abraham is a classic number nine, but you know, is he good enough? You know, I mean, I think, I think, I think we're a bit unfair on Tammy. I think his stats really, I did a bit, somebody did an, and a friend of mine did a bit of analysis, and actually, his goals to game ratio is something. Well, if you take Eto out of the equation, who only played about 20 games for us. He's third to Drogba and Costa. Yeah. You know, already. And he's still young. He's played in the Premier League for a season and a half. He was our top goal scorer last season. He's he's our leading goal scorer this season. Give him some time. He could he could do the job for us. But the thing is, of course, Chelsea want to go and win Champions Leagues and stuff. So yeah, I think undoubtedly we need we need a bona fide world class number nine. The issue is how many genuinely are there? You know, when I was when I was your age, the world was populated by world class number nines who used to bang in goals for fun. How many genuine? I mean, you you because you, you're a bit younger than me, you probably you know watch European football and stuff, and are far more clued up. How many world class number nine strikers are there at the moment, and who are they? As uh, Erling Haaland is the obvious yeah, one. I'd, I'd, say, I'd that. argue Romelu Lukaku into Milan is world class. Yeah. I'd argue. It pains me to say it, but I, you're probably right. Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Lewandowski all day long. And Superb probably player. Harry Kane at Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah even his, role, his role's not a out-and-out out nine anymore, is it? But That's true with Jose. That, that yeah. top three list was definitely the three that I was just going to reel off there. Okay. Now let's put it around another way, because you could put Aguero into that, I would say, as well. 
Maybe not. I wouldn't say maybe put Aguero now, but certainly well, that's what, past, that's what yes. I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying, Nick. Aguero, how old is he? Harry Kane, he's he's only he's nearly thirty. Lewandowski's, I think, over thirty. Yeah, exactly. So the only one who's young is what Haaland? and yeah. I, I mean Lukaku's. What he's got to be getting on for late twenties 20, now. Twenty eight is he? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. All right. So he should, he should be in his prime really at that age as a striker. Yeah. But the only one who's young is Haaland. How many more? Yeah, there aren't many, if if any any others than that. And I think I think that for me, that's indicative of the way that the game has changed in the last twenty years. You know, when I grew up, it was all about being a number. I mean, you know, my hero is Kerry Dixon, the epitome of a number nine. You know, and the game was full of them. I mean, Kerry got eight caps for England, right? He 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 equaled the. I think he got thirty four goals one season. He got the goal of the. Uh, most gold, golden boots shared it with Gary Lineker. He couldn't get a bloody game for England. And he's one of the best strikers we've ever had at this club and possibly that we've seen in England. And he couldn't get a game because there were so many good strikers. And that was just England. But I think the game has completely changed. I don't think it's about classic number nines anymore. I think it's much more the kind of the Barcelona, uh, the Liverpool models where you've got these mobile, you know, quick uh, forward strikers, not number nines. So maybe yeah. that's why they're, you know, arguably disappearing from the game, which I think is tragic. And I think you saw Bob Tammy in the stats earlier. I would argue, aside, I don't, I don't, I don't think in the Premier League there's probably that many actual better strikers than Tammy in the Premier League. Obviously, maybe Harry, you know, Harry Kane's a shout, but Everton with Calvert Lewin, I probably would say there's, you know, Calvert Lewin maybe slightly ahead, but I wouldn't say there's much difference there. You know, Arsenal's is who is Arsenal's Lacazette, Aubameyang. But he's not really been on. I don't think you see like cities at the moment is Gabriel Jesus. Mm. You know, I wouldn't say there's really top number nines. So yeah, it's a tough one on striker, but you know, Chelsea and Roman, I'm sure will do or they can to get Erling Haaland. But um, yeah, I just just to give you an idea, Nick, uh, just run through the top scorers in the, in the Premier League so far this season. Of course, Tammy's nowhere near it for all the reasons we know. Mo Salah's got 17. Harry Kane's got 16. Uh, Fernandez has got 16. Of course, most of them penalties, and he's not a striker. Uh, Son has got 13. He's not a number nine. Bamford is. He's got 13. Uh, Calvert-Lewin's got 13. Vardy's got 12. And Wilson's got 10. Gundogan's got 12. He's not a number nine. So it's interesting, isn't it? You know, there are there are still... I mean, you know, Kane... Bamford, Calvert-Lewin, Vardy, proper strikers in my book. And yeah. they're up there. So, you know, maybe maybe I shouldn't be so quick to judge. Interesting Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> the next question, Dan's got a two-parter. He goes, what would you have done differently to secure the three points against Leeds today? <laughs> Great question. Pass in the hot seat, blimey. Sure. Um, Jack? <sighs> Well, I think I named my team named my team at the end of the last episode. So, um, even though Werner's um, not on form, I still personally, after Tuchel having gone with him so many times since he's come in, I would have gone with him today, given that uh, the way Leeds play and the, the counter attacks that we we could have had and played him in behind. Um, that's probably the main out of the um, 
starting lineup and then probably could have played Callum at wing back instead of Pulisic. That was that was a shock. Um, other than that, tactically, I think we just we needed to play play the ball quicker. We we were so lackluster and lethargic almost, um, and nowhere near the the levels of quality that we've been at in the last few games. Yeah, I think that was a nice time for me. It was just a bit. It was sort of almost like we were back to sort of what you know the very start. We just a bit slow and lethargic at times. The ball wasn't moved particularly quickly today when you compare to say how we looked against Everton you know especially I said how it shocked me how we could go well I say shocked it's not really because it's a Chelsea thing but to go from you know looking really really good against Everton to to looking like that against Leeds which was maybe even arguably worse from an arguably maybe worse performance from the Southampton 1-1 draw um what I would have done Given how we, as I said earlier, we decided not really to try and, you know, exploit the space Lee's left him behind, I would have brought Giroud on. Because I said, I think I could have played off of him and we could have maybe gone maybe slightly more direct. It would have also helped us with set pieces. I think Leeds have got one of the worst records from corners this season on defending set pieces and they were largely untroubled today. But it's a tough one. Yeah, as I said, we named our team on the last one and we had, you know, Callum starting, Werner starting. But other than that, it was probably fairly fairly similar. So it's a tough one, Chidge. What would you have done differently if you were in the dugout? Well, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, it, I, I, you know, there were a few surprises for me. I mean, not least the fourth 2-3-1, uh, but um, I would have started Habits. I would have started Werner. I, I, you see, I thought that we might be able to get in behind them so I thought so, I, and I think Havertz deserved to start, given how well he played against Everton. So I would have had Mount Havertz and Werner up front, but I wouldn't have gone four two three one. That was a surprise. I, I think you're right. I think we were very poor on set pieces today, and that didn't help, particularly knowing how poor Leeds are defending set pieces. The other thing that I think that we perhaps forget. Um, and I mean, actually, whilst BT's commentary with McManaman and Fletcher is you know, beyond unbearable. They, they do occasionally, you know, like a broken clock, get it right one, twice a day. And I thought they did make a very good point about the fact that both Chelsea and Leeds worked very hard to get back in defence. Obviously mindful of how much of a threat each team would be on the counter. And, you know, when you say, oh, we didn't move the ball quick enough or, you know, we didn't do this. Well, I don't think we had a lot of space because, if we, I mean, there were, there were very few instances where we had a clean breakaway and you were ending up with a one-on-one, -on -one, which, of course, would have suited the likes of Werner or Pulisic. So I think, I think maybe we need to look at it in the round, as it were. Bottom line is, I'd have brought Giroud on a lot sooner. Um, well, I mean, he didn't bring him on at all, but I'd have brought him on, you know, 60 minutes, possibly, maybe even at half time. It really infuriated me, and this goes right back to my whinge about not having any proper number nines, that the number of times we put some... I mean, Pulisic put some great balls across the box. James did. Hudson-Odoi did. You know, Chilwell put some great balls through. Nobody ever getting either anywhere near it or getting in on the end of it. We put we, we actually did some decent shots today, and Melier is a keeper that basically doesn't stop them. He, he parries the ball. Nobody following in like a proper number nine would be, you know, and all of, I mean, you know, it really drives me up the wall when I see Chelsea putting in crosses when we've got Werner in there, you know, and then when, when Giroud comes on, we try and play through the middle, you know, Giroud's a great header of the ball, 
you know, put a cross into him, but don't try it with Werner. He's a different kind of striker, you know. So I see a bit of that too much. But yeah, I think I think Giroud, I th- and I think actually, you know, Tuchel admitted it, didn't he, post-match? But I mean, bringing Giroud on might have made the difference today. Yeah. Uh, question from Johnny goes, which is of poorer quality, Chelsea's attack or Leeds' pitch? Mm. <laughs> Jack, to be fair, you know, I, I, the main positive I got away from that was we didn't come away with any injuries, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I thought I saw Pulisic tag and I saw that pitch and I immediately went, oh no, it could be like Ruben in that friendly uh, yeah. back at the end of the 2018-19 season. Mm-hmm. But, jeez. Um, oh, we're not using the pitch as an excuse. excuse. We're not turning into someone like Ty off Arsenal fans TV and blaming it on the rain or something like that. I know, I know the pitch is terrible, but it's the same for both teams. You've heard someone like Patrick Bamford come out multiple times now and complain about the pitch and says he's had to wear rugby studs on it. Um, it I get it can affect the game, but at the end of the day, as we've said and banged on about, we weren't clinical in front of goal. We created chances today, not like the first few games under Tuchel. We've created the chances Um and we just haven't taken them. I, I heard them saying BT, the two teams had something like 21 attempts on goal or something like that. So you, ca- you can't tell me the chances weren't there. Um, we just haven't put them away at the end of the day. Yeah. And it just alludes back to what happens if we had a clinical striker in front of goal. Because while, you know, as I think Chid said earlier, I think Leeds probably had the better chances, the more clear cut chances. We still did enough. We still created enough to put the ball in the back of a net, um, but we just didn't. Uh, right, we've got these next few questions are all on a similar note. Travis asking about the lack of quality in the final third. Is it being down to the system or the limitations of players? Jay asking, what do we need to do to score more goals? Um, Dean, a good friend of ours and good friend of Chidge's, Dean Mears asking, Chidge, are we lacking a bit of luck or a bit of quality in front of goal? <laughs> Yeah, good to hear from Dean. Dean's one of one of my favourites on the fan cast, as you as you know, and he does a great uh, um, show on the on the Chelsea women's team, which is which is brilliant actually, and I and I love him for doing that because I would never have had the time or the inclination. So well done, Dino. Um, he's he's actually on on Monday, funnily enough, on the on the Monday fan cast. But I think he's probably a bit of both, really, when you think about it. Um, but I I mean I, I'm not trying to to you know mitigate or forgive. Their, their lack of quality up front because ultimately it you know as Tuchel has, has said so many times post-match you know they lack precision up, up front and, and I think we see it a lot don't we that an extra touch is taken and suddenly the opportunity is missed and I, I'm going to go back to what I was saying a minute ago I do think defending on the whole has got a lot better in the Premier League you know it's amazing isn't it how many times shots get blocked defenders find themselves get themselves in the right position or they deny the space, they make it difficult. It's it's it seems to me to be increasingly hard to get, you know, the kind of clear chances that that I used to remember from days gone by. But you know, we're going to go back to it. You know, we have a lack of quality finishers in the side. You know, we've got some creative players, some great players, but you know, they're not great finishers. Fair enough. I'll say throw Travis's question here. Then is that you know we saw the lack of quality. In the final third, is it down, as you said, is it down to the system, given that we know we perhaps, as I said, it's more a defensive 
at the time. Most of the time, it's more of a defensive system, thus we have less attacking players on the pitch. Or is it more down to the limitations of some of the players like we sort of alluded to earlier, Jack or Chidge? Do you want me, do you want me to pitch in, Jack? Yeah, or I, yeah, well, yeah. I've got I've got something on my mind, but I won't I won't take long. I think this is a problem that's been, you know, a Chelsea curse for quite a while now. And Joe Tweeds, who you probably know, is a good mate of mine, used to, in fact, used to sit about five seats away from me uh, in gate 17. But, you know, we can either defend really well and be rubbish at attacking or attack really well and be rubbish at defending. No manager for the last few years has seemed to have been able to get us to do both. You know, and until we can do both, we are not going to be winning Premier League titles or Champions Leagues. It is that simple. Now, why is that? Is that the system? Well, yeah, inevitably, because if you go really gung ho, you're going to leave gaps at the back and you're going to you're going to be exposed. But I think it's also the players, isn't it? You know, I mean, if you're having to play, I mean, Tuchel is having to play this uh, three, four, two, one. Uh, to cover up some of the uh, vulnerabilities we have in some of the players. You know, we don't, you know, we, we, do, we don't have, I mean, Manta, uh, Kante is a great defensive uh, midfielder, um, but, you know, Jorginho is no Declan Rice, for example. He's not a Michael Essien, for example. You know, we don't have that kind of physical presence in defensive midfield. We don't have midfielders who can score goals like Essien, Balik, uh, Frank himself did. We don't have a player like Fabregas. Well, we do, because Jorginho can't run and tackle either, but he can't create like, like Fabregas can. You know, so we're having to accommodate, I think, a lot of weaknesses, systemic weaknesses in the side that have been there for quite a while. So maybe that plays into it as well. Because Frank didn't crack it, did he? I mean, we were great attacking, but we couldn't bloody defend. Yeah. And now, yeah. Jack, anything to add? No, I can only echo what Chid just said, to be honest. And we've, we've mentioned all these things over the past month or so, so I don't want to bore everyone. We're just repeating myself again. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it's, um, as I sort of said, it's just a mishmash of, of players from different eras, really, all trying to fit into to one team, to put it as simply as possible, I think. Final question comes in from Harry. He goes, how many signings from Vieira Vizzi have actually been successful? So I, I know who this is directed, which player this is um, unfortunately directed about. Uh, unfortunately, Hakim Ziyech. But, you know, Chidge, you sort of mentioned, is the step up from the Dutch league to the Premier League too much? Or are we writing Ziyech off a bit too soon? Uh, well, I, what about Iron Robin? Good Luis chat. Suarez. He Robin wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah. Spot on. People can do it. Did Dennis Bergkamp come from Ajax or Inter when he joined Arsenal? I can't remember. But, I mean... Look, get the wrong fan base. Well, OK, all right. <laughs> That's a very good point. God, it wasn't that long ago, Jack. Actually, you know what? It was nearly 20 years ago. So he, he joined from Inter Milan. He did. All right, fair enough. Um... <sighs> It's a good question, isn't it? You know, because what we're, we're really asking is, is the Eredivisie a very poor league? And my, my guts would say, absolutely, of course it is. But then again, Ajax nearly got to the Champions League final a couple of seasons ago. So it can't be that bad, or they can't be that bad. And Ziyech was in that team. But I think on balance, I'd say it, it, it's, it's not a, it, you know, it's, it's not a patch on the Premier League. And I think it is a big step up. It's interesting, isn't it? Because people, 
uh, will mention Van, uh, Van, was it Van der Beek in the same uh, breath as they mentioned Ziyech and he's not getting a look in at all at United mm-hmm. and I mean they're not I don't think United are a great team by any stretch of the imagination so maybe maybe it, it is a massive step up it's a hard one to say and again you know maybe we're being I mean you know I, I think look we all want instant success we all want it to work now of course we do we're all impatient by, by definition but you know, Ziyech wouldn't be the first player in the world to take a year to get to grips with the Premier League. I mean, I remember Didier Drogba in his first season at Chelsea. I remember Frank Lampard in his first season at Chelsea. And they, they were not set in the world alike by any stretch of the imagination. So maybe we are being a bit harsh on Ziyech and, and he, he just needs a, a year to settle in and adjust to the pace and the physicality of what is the most speedy and physical league in the world. Yeah, Jack, maybe it's just, you know, on the whole, we're perhaps not as fortunate picking players from the Eredivisie. Think of uh, Matea Kesman as well. But to be fair to... Baldrick, to be, I used to call him. To be fair to him, he did score a goal in a League Cup final against Liverpool, though. So good on he him did. for that. Um, he was shocking, though. He was <laughs> shocking. I mean, And also, he was kind of... I mean, actually, the worry is because Werner's exhibited Kesman-like <laughs> this season. I mean, you know... Kesman could miss when it would be easier to score frequently. And, and I used to look at him thinking, is this, you know, is this man just the unluckiest player ever or what? You know, but uh, bless his heart. Baldrick, remember him yeah. a while. I feel unfortunately we also say that with Timo Werner, is he the unluckiest player in the Premier League? So maybe, maybe, um, yeah. All the, the VAR offside ruling him out of goals and stuff as well, but... Yeah. No, I think I agree. You you can't write him off yet. I think if you use someone like Mason as as an example, he went out to to Vitesse in the Dutch league. Took a while to get into the first team, but once he did, he solidified his place. Got Player of the Season as voted by the fans, I think, and and he came back. And then Chelsea sent him down to the Championship to go and get that experience of playing with some big brutes at the end of the day. Um, so maybe it is one one season for a transition. Um, yeah, you just you've got to give him time, and as we've said, players like Robin van Persie, van Nistelrooy as well, um, and Suarez came and stormed the Premier League. So it's not like no one's done it, not done it. Oh, no one's yeah, no one's not done it. <laughs> well, quality will out in in the end, won't it? I think. And I was kind of thinking of, you know, the French league's not up to much either. I mean, it's basically basically PSG. And uh, and Hazard turned up from, uh, it was Lille, wasn't it, that he was yeah. at? And and he was brilliant, you know. So, but maybe maybe those players are the exception, not the rule. Yeah. What I would ask you boys is when was the last time we signed a player who had a poor first season in the Premier League and then came good? <laughs> maybe Pedro? If I'm, you know, that's if you class his first season at Chelsea as poor. I thought, well, he came in and scored straight away, didn't he, against West Brom? But and then yeah, didn't score for months. Yeah, yeah, true. I, I, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't bracket Pedro in that. Pedro, I mean, Pedro's won more trophies than most Premier League clubs. No, no, it wasn't a a dig at Pedro. I was just more aiming like he was the last player who had a tough start at Chelsea and came good. Well, I know. I'm trying to think of others now. And, of course, my mind's gone completely blank. But, uh, I mean, we were all tre- terrible yeah. that season, so it's not... Yeah, that's true. It's hard to um, well, I mean, an argument for it. I mean, Torres is an obvious example, isn't it? 
because he was just shocking for us that first season and he never really hit the heights that we'd expect. But I mean, he he, he was brilliant at Liverpool. So he, he's a bad example in a way. I mean, really, we need to look at, you know, players that we bought from overseas that were shocking in that first year and then and then suddenly came good. And, I, and none spring to mind at the moment, I have to be honest. Yeah, but we'll say we'll have to wait and see. We've seen the glimpses. We've seen the quality of Ziyech. But unfortunately, it was early on in the season under a different manager in a different role. So we will have to wait and see. But that wraps up this episode of That Just Podcast. Thank you for everyone who sent in their questions. It wasn't a great game, but it was a fun one to record. So I want to thank Chidge for coming on. And before Chidge goes, I'm going to get him to plug his Twitter handle where people can follow him and also where his uh, the Just Giving link will be on his Twitter page as well. So Chidge, before you go, just like you did at the start, just give yourself a little plug well, uh, we record the Chelsea Fancast on a Monday at seven o'clock and a Friday at seven o'clock. The, seven, uh, the Friday one's a preview show, really, but that's quite fun because we always get a, a journalist on uh, to kind of, you know, review the week's news. And then we get an opposition fan on to, to get their perspective on the, on the weekend's game. Uh, the Monday is just a kind of two and a half hours of absolute chaos, really you know, wrapping up the weekend game. But you can find us, uh, I mean, Twitter handles at Chelsea Fancast, but uh, we're on Acast, Spotify, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, we've also got a website, which is ChelseaFanCast.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Stamford Chidge. And uh, if, you, uh, if you're interested in helping us out with the uh, big sleep out, the virtual sleep out, uh, the details for the Virgin uh, Money Giving Fund are pinned on my Twitter feed. So they're easy to find. Yeah, guys, make sure you check out the Chelsea Fancast. And if you're new from the Chelsea Fancast and you've come to listen because Chidgy's on, maybe consider us in future as a warm-up act for the great show on a Monday well, evening. You do a great job, you two, and I've really, really enjoyed being on. It's been lovely to talk Chelsea with you both. Well yes. done. Keep it up. Good luck. And I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. No, anytime. Chidge. Be a pleasure. Yeah. Be a pleasure. Um, as for us, you can follow us on Instagram at that Chelsea Pod, on Twitter at that Chelsea Pod. We're available on all your usual podcast platform providers if you've enjoyed the show you can always leave us a review on apple Podcasts. that helps us get out there uh, at the end of the day we're all just chelsea fans talking about the one club that we love with fellow chelsea fans uh, it's been a really fun episode as i said despite the results oh chidge yeah i was just gonna say one thing you know when we are allowed to go back to football again which i don't think will be until next season we must meet up and have a beer yes Yes, and that's this, what it's really yes. all about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What you know, doing the podcast has sort of filled in a little bit for the a tiny. It fills in for us a tiny bit for the match day experience, but it does not, you know, come close to trying to replicate it. As I said, like Chidge, like also some many of our other guests as well, who I'm sure we'll try and meet up with at the games next season. But until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.